0: Conspiracy
1: Show with Richard Sarin from Zuma Radio AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary stranger. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Uh, Ian Patterson is uh, here to explain how Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot are all connected. Our untold history, that's coming up in just a few moments. Uh, First, uh, let me wish you all a very merry, a very blessed Christmas. Kala Christu And of course, a happy Hanukkah. Uh, Just a programming note. Uh, For those of you listening in on our flagship station here in Toronto, Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM, Uh, this will be our last show of 2016. Uh, Zoomer Radio is going to be playing Christmas music all day long, Christmas Day and Christmas Evening. Uh, So there will not be, uh, or this program will not be aired Christmas night, Sunday, December the 25th, Christmas night. This program will not be aired on Zoomer Radio. Uh, however, you will be able to hear it on uh, one of our affiliate stations. Many or most of them will be carrying uh, this program in and around Christmas, either uh, the C- Christmas Day, some of them may play at Boxing Day, some of it may be even uh, the day before. So uh, for those of you in the Toronto area, again, you will not be able to listen to our program, The Conspiracy Show, next week on Zoomer Radio. However, I would check TalkZone.com, TalkZone.com, and you'll be able to uh, listen to the podcast. It should be up probably around midweek before Christmas. Uh, In the meantime, uh, oh, incidentally, uh, next week on the program, for those who can listen in, Jonathan Kahn. Will be here, my guest, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, of course, the author of uh, The Harbinger, which caused quite a stir, uh, The Mystery of the Shemitah, and his new book is called The Book of Mysteries. He'll be here to talk about that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let me welcome a, uh, a new affiliate aboard. We are very thankful and um, happy to welcome KMAJ1440, the big talker in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, welcome aboard and thank you, uh, KMAJ, for for making The Conspiracy Show part of your radio family. Uh, let me quickly introduce the boys in the band on the other side of the glass on the Gibson Flying V guitar, Ian Robertson, who's off uh, getting a pizza at the front door. We, we're going to have a little pizza party here tonight. Uh, and here in studio with me, my story producer on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin Albert Vinzel, who also doubles as our um, resident remote viewer. And uh, just very quickly, uh, this is our our regular segment. This will be our last What's in the Box for 2016. Uh, Albert, our remote viewer. What do you think is in that box? Have you thought about it? Have you had time to contemplate, to well, transcend space and time, my friend?
2: Well, I think it may be a coin, like I get a metallic sound or a bell ringing.
1: Metallic? All right, listen. We're gonna, I'm not going to reveal it till the bottom of the hour. Work on that a little bit. Metallic? That's good. You're not there, though. Keep working. Keep utilizing the remote viewing protocols. And for those of you listening uh, at home... If you want to uh, to try and utilize your own remote viewing skills, uh, you can send me a tweet with your guests. Use the hashtag TCS, TCS, as in the conspiracy show, TCS remote. Is that right, Albert? Is that yeah. the, the hashtag? Yeah. Hashtag TCS remote. And uh, let me know what's in the box. All right. Uh, around the age of 23, so we're going back now into the early 90s, uh, my next guest was introduced to a U.K. Royal Air Force a person who claimed he knew about aliens. And uh, so my guest wanted to, to film this person for a documentary about aliens uh, at some later date. So he met the person. They spent about three hours talking in a, in a car park. And uh, this individual with the, uh, the RAF uh, talked about dimensions and orbs and, and so much more. And so my guest started to doubt the man, as uh, he'd never even heard of orbs. And so he never got to film this uh, individual, as he was called away on duty. However, uh, a few years later, 1998 now, my guest's father passed away, and he helped his mother use a homemade Ouija board. At this point, he didn't uh, believe in spirits, but after asking the Ouija board some questions... Uh, the glass started to move or the the planchette started to move around on the board and it, it was giving the correct answers and then he had no doubt that there was a spirit world over the following years he began researching what he could find about aliens and he heard eyewitnesses claim the same things that the the uh, RAF individual did all those years before and this made him a believer. So, about three years ago, he started looking for books that connected everything, but there weren't any. And so, he thought it was time to write one. And now we have Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot, and Our Untold History. Ian Patterson was born and raised in London... London, England. From an early age, he was fascinated by TV programs with aliens in them, and he remembers his mother reading an article from a newspaper about a man who went into his back garden and vanished, never to be seen again. Of course, this sparked his interest in the paranormal. His work today is mainly in directing and writing low-budget films, documentaries, and computer special effects. Ian Patterson, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
3: I'm fine. Thank you for having me. How are you?
1: I'm very well, and I understand it's very early in London. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning, I think, give or take. So thank you for for, uh, getting up early or staying up late, whatever the case may be. (laughs) That's okay. Thank you. So this is uh, quite an undertaking. Um, Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot, and Our Untold History... And uh, you, you discuss alien races, the Anunnaki bloodlines, ghosts, spirits, souls, dinosaurs, cattle mutilation, so much more. And uh, the sort of the thesis is that all of these uh, things are in some way connected. So um, let's start. Well, where else are we going to start? We're going to start at the beginning. And um, when we look at Genesis, for example, that's probably the best place to start because, um, well. You, you, you tell us sort of what your years of research have led you to believe about, we have sort of the, the, the biblical creation story, and how that connects ultimately to everything else. Let's, you know, E.T., for example.
3: Okay. Um, well, sort of a, a rough example would be um, the Anunnaki, as, as it says in the Book of Enoch, the Anunnaki, just over 2,000 years ago, set off a nuclear explosion, Um so I needed to see whether that that there was any correlation between uh, the Book of Enoch, the Bible, and any scientific proof. Um, the scientific proof comes in the form of a radiation belt about seven thousand miles ar- around the area that the Book of Enoch says that there was a nuclear explosion. And when I looked into the Bible, we could see that the Bible would actually say that um, the i'm slightly nervous the uh, explosion caused um the i've actually got it written down here if, if that's okay um in zachariah the this shall be the plague which the lord will strike all the peoples down um, which would be the nuclear explosion right right um their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouth uh, and many people died from water because it was bitter so that put the connection between uh, all three of those: the Book of Enoch, the real proof that, the, and there was even uh, green glass found in the desert. So, in 1950, I think it was
1: right. some uh, I think it um, was at the Gobi Desert in India or somewhere near Pakistan. And this this sand was fused, and they, and it has been suggested that this was evidence of a, an ancient nuclear blast, and and uh, the Vedic writings. Uh, also make reference to some sort of what sounds very much like a nuclear war. Uh, Robert Oppenheimer, uh, of course, the father of of the nuclear uh, bomb, once commented when he was asked uh, after the the test uh, explosion at Trinity whether this was the first use of a nuclear bomb, and he said yes, and then he said, in modern times, Mm. which is very interesting.
3: I I think I also read somewhere that um, Einstein um, commented on the green glass as well.
1: Hmm, I didn't know that. That's interesting.
3: I, I remember that from way back. That's another thing that's of over, over the years little things keep piquing my interest, which kept me going and going and going, and I think that was one of them.
1: So, again, the, the timing of this ancient nuclear blast was, was how long ago?
3: Um, just over 2,000 years. 2,000, uh, the dates are slightly, you know, within a hundred or so years but it's about 2100
1: 2200 years ago. Well that is uh that would be Just the
3: before Jesus.
1: Okay, before the birth of Christ. Okay. So yeah. the, all right. The, now the um the the book of Enoch it talks specifically about does it mention the Anunnaki by name?
3: No, it doesn't. Uh well, it's <laughs> There's a few different translations of the Anunnaki. Um, some people call them the princely seeds. Um, others call them those from heaven came to earth and slightly vari- variations of that. The, I mean, my interpretation of, of um, the Anunnaki is that their actual name isn't the Anunnaki because no race would call themselves princely seeds and no race would call themselves those who from heaven came to earth. Um, the, the only word that kept, keeps coming up over and over again is Elohim. that's the only i mean everything else they they talk about you know enoch and enki and anu and what they have for breakfast and all they actually really do cover everything and the only thing they don't actually talk about is the the race name which um they have actually got Elohim all over the place so that makes me believe that the Real race name is, is
1: Elohim, right? Because of, Elohim is, is 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 a Hebrew word, but it is it's sort of plural, but it's also um, yeah. It kind of breaks the rules of grammar because it can be used also uh, as a singular, meaning a g- God, but also gods. Now Christians would look at Elohim and they would say that in the Old Testament, uh, that is almost a it's the the Trinity is contained within the word Elohim because they're really hinting at. The Trinity, even though it's the Old Testament, but you're saying the Elohim. In this case, the gods are referring to the Anunnaki, which is, I guess, that would be the Sumerian word for these, uh, these, these, yeah, yeah, these entities. Yeah. Okay, so um, can, we were talking. So we were talking about uh, the Book of Enoch and the um, the idea that, and the Sumerian creation legend, uh, Sumer. Uh, that the the human race was kind of a a, a, a hybrid experiment, right? It was they um, they created they created man from modern man, I guess, from the primitive inhabitants of the earth, and they did a little DNA splicing with the Anunnaki. Is that is that? Do I have the gist of it?
3: Yeah, that's that's. Um, one of the sort of telltale factors is in the Book of Enoch. One of the, I think it's um, Enki goes off to Africa, um, and Africa is the the modern place that we all agree that where the first sort of human originated from. So when I talk to people and they say, "Oh, yes, but you're saying Mesopotamia and Sumeria," how can you justify the fact that modern science is now saying that it's coming from? Um, Africa, but we can actually say it's coming from Africa because in the Book of Enoch it says that uh, Enki goes off to Africa and that's where he creates modern man. So it all ties in still.
1: All right, let me just uh, jump in here. We've got a break coming up. Ian Patterson, my guest, live on the line from London, England. Black Ops, alien spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. Everything is connected. Back with more in a moment here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us keeping an eye on the new world order. This
0: is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To get the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740.
1: Welcome back. Uh, just a reminder: we will reveal the contents of our uh, our humidor, <laughs> the uh, "What's in the Box" segment. And again, use the hashtag TCS Remote. TCS Remote. Uh, Ian Patterson is with us from London, England. Black ops, alien spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. Uh, by the way, Ian, how how can people get a copy of the book?
3: Um, it's available on Amazon and Amazon Kindle and Amazon Kindle Unlimited.
1: All right. Um, you, you mentioned the uh, evidence of a, uh, a nuclear explosion uh, some 2,100 years ago. And um, there seems to be evidence of uh, cosmic wars that go back even further. Uh, we had John Brandenburg on the program, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and he, he was talking about evidence for a nuclear blast on Mars Uh, This would have been millions of years ago that that, um, he says the signature is unmistakable. There's no other way the uh, the radiation signature could get there. It's not a comet impact. It had to be a nuclear blast. Uh, And he said this is what destroyed the atmosphere and the ancient civilization on Mars. What do you think about that?
3: Um, Yeah, I looked into that myself. there's a few people that... Uh, some people say that the indigenous people to Mars actually destroyed themselves, and then there's other people that say that another race, a third race, came along and destroyed them also. It, it's really really tricky because, as you know, the only sort of real people that would know the answer to exactly what's happened on would be NASA, I think, um, and they don't actually... They won't give out any information on r- rock samples, etc., which are also slightly... Dubious whether actually some of the rovers are actually really on Mars or whether they're actually on a uh, remote island that NASA uses here on a, on the UK uh, in the on Earth. Right. So, uh, to, to answer your question, I don't know for sure. It's really difficult because I don't. Uh, it's something you can't sort of check up on. 110. percent You know, you just can't get that information.
1: Right. I mean, now, the yeah, the right. Um, the Anunnaki. Uh, their home planet, Nibiru, uh, sometimes referred to as, as Planet X, and uh, there is a. Um, I guess we first started hearing about Nibiru coming around. Well, we heard about it from obviously from Zechariah Sitchin, um, but there's recently been uh, a, a woman claiming to be an e- ET contactee, um, whose name escapes me, Nancy. Uh, it's on uh, t-
3: leave Myers, Lever or Myers. Uh,
1: leader, something like that. Leader, yes. leader it, yeah. And she she believes that uh, Nibiru is headed back this way. This is, again, the, the home planet of the Anunnaki. Um, in fact, some claim that uh, Nibiru is, is set to swing by the Earth, which would cause a cataclysmic event. Uh, wouldn't necessarily have to collide with the Earth, but just passing, you know, within the within the vicinity would cause, you know, massive tsunamis and earthquakes, and it would be a planet killer, essentially. Uh, she says, it, uh, or it has been reported by some, that this planet is supposed to swing by uh, even before the end of this year. Any thoughts on, on Nibiru coming back?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I cover it a bit in the book. The, the Na- Nancy story version, I think there was... Um, reports that she'd said that it was due back um, at least about 10, ten years ago um, but it never actually came back so then people started to doubt her but she, her version is that she got the information from uh, the Zetas um, the, the, or the, I, I believe there's two different types of well there's a few different types of Greys, but the, there's the Orions and then there's the Zetas and she's saying that she got the information from the Zetas my argument to help her would be that these Zetas probably don't know our exact time frame you know to them one day is probably you know, a, a week for example same as nibiru would take um a lot longer to, t- to go around the earth or go around the sun which makes their year a lot longer than ours so it's possible that the information that she was given could actually be still true but she may have got the wrong dates just be- because they said x amount of time would pass so yes, it's it, um, frighteningly I do believe there is probably another planet out there. There's a few planets that NASA each, each year keep talking about saying that there's new planets that they found that have elliptical orbits which would be the same as Nibiru. They're not saying that that's Nibiru but they are saying there's planets out um, outside our solar system and even on the far reaches of our solar system that have uh, an elliptical orbit. So if they're... They're actually admitting that the planets can have, you know, twelve thousand year elliptical orbit. Then it's possible that there was a, a thirty-six thousand year planet coming back, uh, which kind of frightens me a bit.
1: This is what's yeah. Sitchin wrote a book about this. I think it was called The Twelfth Planet. Uh, some call it Nibiru. And uh, so the the orbit, this elliptical orbit. Did you say it's is it thirty-six thousand years? It, it's supposed to swing by, or is it thirty-six hundred
3: years? Uh, so Sorry, it's the English to the American uh, three thousand six hundred years. Yeah,
1: thirty six hundred years. So I mean, if yeah. you if you if you line that up, this orbit, uh, and every time it swings by, it causes some massive cataclysmic event. Um, I mean, some have some have suggested that it does. It lines up with things like the great flood, uh, you know, the global flood that in, in the Genesis account. Uh, it lines up with uh, the coming ice ages and so forth. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, um, I mean, some people say that the the, the time frame for the three thousand six hundred years is um, not accurate. There's different times, and so then when they go back, there's different um, different events happen. So, it, but yeah, as a general rule, I do believe that the the flooding. Um, coincides with, with Nibiru coming back. The problem with that is then you've got to think, well, if if the Anunnaki are on Nibiru and they're aware of the planet coming back round, then, you know, are we the ones that get the brunt of... Because they're a planet that I think is apparently about four times the size of Earth. Are we the only ones that really get a problem with that? Um, and then when you look into the, sort of the secret space programme, there's a couple of um, suggestions that uh, the... Uh, Secret Space program have got these spaceships that are actually trying to push Nibiru out of the way to stop us from getting the same sort of catastrophes that's happened in the past. Again, the problem with that is if there really isn't um, anarchy on Nibiru, they really wouldn't want to be pushed out of the way um, by humans trying to move their planet out of uh, their orbit. Um, And then you've also got the other option that it could be um, Nibiru could be Similar to the moon um a spaceship, but the argument then would be they wouldn't want to come back around and they could just park it there's no reason for them to want to have to keep going around and around
1: right now when the Anunnaki uh, first came to earth uh I mean how long did they did they stick around and what was the purpose? why did they come
3: um I mean I can only go by by uh, zachariah Sitchin's work um which basically says that they they required some sort of gold powder to Possibly sprinkle over their atmosphere to protect their own atmosphere. Um, they it looks like they stayed for at least um, three hundred thousand years, which to us seems a long time. But for them, if their their one year is three thousand six hundred, um, then it's not very long for them at all. So you'd think, well, why they stay this long? But it's not that long for them. So I think they they stayed that amount of time. And then when obviously they were creating the first humans, which Adam I think is. In Hebrew is, is, translates to human, so when they created the first human, um, that took them thousands and thousands of years to actually get that right, which is why it's, um, they use the humans to, to mine for this gold, which is why we now believe gold is precious, whereas years ago, when before anyone worked out gold was precious, someone had to this is sort of the way my thinking is someone had to say to our ancestors, "Hey, gold's precious." because we wouldn't have melted it at the heats so that that you would need to melt gold and things like that back then, you know, 10,000 years ago uh, or or less. So the so I do believe that that I, you know, the Anunnaki did require gold and fashioned gold into various objects um which the we later on perceived as precious and then we started to um look at gold in that way as well
1: so they created essentially a slave race uh using primitive man uh with um i guess some 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 dna from their own species is that the idea
3: yeah the um there there was a few different types of um humanoid creatures or or humanoid people on this planet at the time and they i'm not sure which ones they actually Done the DNA on, but um, the story goes as in the Bible: they they, uh, they took Adam's rib and created Eve. Um, if you look at um, ask any doctor which is the best place to get you know the the, the DNA or the bone marrow etc etc, they say the rib because it's less intuitive and it's the best place to get it. So if you take the Bible literally, then they did create Eve. The problem then is um, Adam and Eve had three sons. Um, who then had their children, but it doesn't actually say who who they had relationships with. The only woman that that, that seems to be around is Eve. So it looks like they had relationships with their own mother, um, unless the, you know everyone didn't bother, you know, the Bibles, etc., didn't bother adding the fact that there was extra women coming along. But also, if you look at the nature of the Anunnaki and, and the following pharaohs, they all inbred anyway to keep their, their true bloodline, so it's possible that the um, Anunnaki didn't mind um, Adam and Eve's offspring procreating with their mother because that's the way they do it. They they all seem to keep everything inbred.
1: Right. Well, there is, of course, the, um, the mention of the fallen angels uh, in uh, Genesis, and I, I believe that they're also mentioned in Enoch. Uh, where these fallen angels uh, co with the daughters of men, meaning women, and create this race called the Nephilim. Now, for, for, from the Christian perspective, I suppose, the, the idea is that these are fallen angels. These are, uh, you know, Lucifer and his minions, those angels that stood in opposition or rebelled against God. Um, so in your interpretation, then, the... Uh, the Nephilim would have been the product of the Anunnaki, um, I guess, and their hybridization program with humans.
3: Um, well, the, uh, the way I see it is the, the eight foot Anunnaki had relationships with the human women, which then produced giants, which were called the Nephilim. Right.
1: And they talk about, uh, you know, that in the Bible they mention that the Nephilim would be, would be the men of renown, uh, so like the Titans and, and uh, I suppose then the, the gods of the various uh, pantheons around the world, the Egyptian pantheon, the ba- Babylonian pantheon of gods, the Greek pantheon of gods, uh, Zeus, Poseidon, etc., Correct.
3: Uh, not the way I saw it, no. No, I, okay. I, no, um, I just think that the Niflin were literally just giants which um, had cannibalistic traits. Um, and they, they, after a while, the, the king, Anu, didn't want the true bloodline, again, going back to their true bloodline, didn't want their true bloodline tainted with um, half-breeds. So they wanted to wipe them out, which gives them the reason to either... Allow the flood to happen, knowing that the planet's back, coming back round, or they deliberately wiped us out, or wiped them out some other way. The Zeus and um, Neptune and and those type, I believe, are just simple anarchy um, that were perceived as they went around different places. I mean, if if you again believe that the 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 one year is three thousand six hundred of our years. Then they could have travelled all over the planet, and you know, in such a long life lifetime. Which is why when um, the Adam and Eve had longer lifespans because they used the Anunnaki's part of Anunnaki's DNA, which made. I mean, even going back down to Noah it was said to have lived a, a few hundred years. Yeah, six
1: hundred years, Methuselah, of course. Mm. Yes. Um, so then, in in other words, the, the, the Greek gods, uh, the Egyptian gods, etc., that would have been either Enl- – they were just – like Zeus, for example, would have been Enlil or Enki. They're just known yeah. by different names according to the different cultures.
3: Precisely, yeah. I, I, I actually believe the pharaohs were sort of lesser um, anarchies because they weren't uh, – they weren't classed as gods.
1: So uh, – <laughs> Sort of demigods, more like yeah, demigods.
3: So to speak. Yeah, so there was a different name for them. Um, and then you got Abraham, which was one of the descendants further down from um, Adam and Eve, who I think was the first person to create the first religion. I think it was a Jewish religion, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the way I see that is that um, he was allowed some power but, but wasn't allowed total power. So the anarchy allowed some of the sort of offspring or hybrid, should I say, um, certain powers. And once they got to Abraham, he wanted more powers. And the only way he could see, this is just my interpretation of it, well, the only way he could see people following him would be, if obviously he's not a god, is if he created some sort of way for people to follow him just as people followed the, you know, the Anunnaki. So he created the first religion, and then obviously people after that could say, hang on a minute, if he's got, got loads of people following him, I'll create a religion, and that's how I believe all the religions uh, got created.
1: All right, we will uh, take a time-out, and uh, on the other side, continue to delve into Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot, and Our Untold History with Ian Patterson, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view
0: of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Corporations, governments and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show
1: with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back to the program. Before we get back to Ian Patterson and our untold history, let's just uh, reveal what's in the box. Before that, though, Albert, what, is, uh, what are people uh, tweeting here?
2: All right. Amanda Curran says a purple My Little Pony. Uh, (laughs) Jackson says a pizza cutter. Uh, Luke Parkhill says a candy cane. And David LaSalle says a snow globe with a house and a snowman.
1: Ah, well, they're all going very seasonal. And uh, you said something metallic. Albert, you were the closest. A
2: spoon? Three spoons?
1: Well, let's uh, open it up and find Uh, out. Hold on.
3: I've got to set to the webcam from Twitter. All right.
1: I'll tell you, um, you, were, you were close with uh, metallic. I think if you'd spent a little more time, you may have uh, nailed it. There you go. <laughs> a flashlight. It is a flashlight. All right. All right, we'll, uh, we'll continue along with uh, our conversation with Ian Patterson. Now, uh, Ian, we were talking about uh, the connection between the Anunnaki and the, um, the Egyptian pharaohs and so forth. Uh, what is the, then the purpose of the, uh, the pyramids? First of all, who built them and what for?
3: Okay. Uh, this is again just my interpretation. All the pyramids are different, and they're all they were all created differently for different reasons. I think that if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there was one recently uh, found in Mexico. I think it was. Yeah, they're, they're, um, these things but, are
1: all over the world. They I think yeah. they uncovered some in Serbia. They they've been found in in um, in Thailand
3: even. Uh yeah, but the one the one I'm talking about actually had um they found mercury, flowing mercury underneath it. And um, when you look into what mercury can be used for, it can actually be used for um weeding out the the gold in ore. So if you think if you think that the anadarky were actually um, mining gold, then mercury would be the perfect use to to extract the the gold. Um, the Great Pyramid. Um, after after doing as much research as I can, the only sort of logical answer to that would be that the that is actually built as a power plant.
1: I, I've I've read other yeah. theories about that that the that the the uh, the pyramids were essentially some sort of a, like a giant capacitor or something, um, fascinating. And, but you're saying some of the other pyramids were being used in the in the mining of gold.
3: Yeah, and different, for different reasons. Yeah, um, there's no reason for them to have built three pyramids right next door to each other all for power uh, on on the Giza plateau uh, so one of those was for the the largest one i believe was for power i'm not sure what the other two are for uh were built for but i don't actually believe the the dates of the pyramids either. um the great pyramid the only reference was a uh, to who it belonged to um was i don't you know you're probably aware of this but the graffiti that was written um, and a few people tried out to actually scrape recently tried to scrape um, paint samples off to to get it you know, sort of carbon dated. But if the dates are incorrect, then the pyramids go back way more you know at least another thousand thousand years before that. Of course then you've got people saying that ah oh, well, the pyramids match. If you go back to the star dates the the king's chamber shafts match Orion's belt and the constellation. But the problem with that is, recently, if you know the Discovery Channel, they've actually gone in and, and sent a, a robot up through one of the or through both of the shafts, and they both turn. Uh, I think it's something like nearly ninety degree angle, which then means that the shafts don't actually go off to the match Orion anymore, because if they're, if they're going off at a different angle, then then you can't. You know, the problem is some people try to associate things that we know with certain things and obviously if the shafts were going up that was great but if they're now changed then they're used for a different reason they're not to point to the stars and obviously they're not used for um the spirit of um a, a, you know a dead pharaoh because a they weren't used as tombs, and b why would he need two shafts going up um same sort of thing with um crop circles, people believe that the crop circles are messages for us. They actually predate the first I mean you need to be at least, you know, nearly a thousand feet up in the air to be able to see some of these crop circles and they predate the first flying machine, which would have, would have been the hot air balloon. So they're not actually made for us and if they were made for us they would have been a lot smaller for us to be able to see.
1: Ah uh, excellent so would- point. Excellent point. So what are they, sort of like signposts for for ETs flying by?
3: circles i believe are were actually um the state of the planet the the orbs which from what i gather from the the bloke that i met 20 odd years ago when he was the way he was talking it seemed to me that the orbs which are an energy force which we can't actually see he said that sometimes people see them out of the corner of their eye and that's because they're at a slightly different sort of frequency to us and i guess the, the best way to describe the orbs would be, if you've got a remote control, if you point that remote control um, and look at the the top of it, the LED, the little light, the infrared, you can't see anything. But if you put a camera and you film that, you press the button, that light's flickering away, and yet we can't see it. So the same goes for the the orbs. They're, they're there, but we can't actually see them. So when they need to mm, sort of manifest something to do with, with Earth, they have to sort of change their frequency in which case we can then see them which is why a few people have filmed them and a few people have seen them so I believe that they actually go into the earth see what's happening with the earth come back up, create the symbol information that possibly another race above that's not them, not the orbs um, would then use that information to determine the state of the planet.
1: And that's the Crop Circle, and that actually uh, kind of connects with a lot with uh, what Patty Greer has said in this program, uh, the Crop Circle gal. We'll uh, continue this conversation. Ian Patterson, black ops, alien spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. He connects them all, folks. Stay tuned. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This
0: is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant. From Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The
1: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. From Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ian Patterson stays with us. Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. He connects all the dots. Alien races, Anunnaki, bloodlines, ghosts, spirits, souls, dinosaurs, cattle mutilation, so much more. Uh, Let's uh, actually focus on uh, bloodlines because we were talking about the, uh, or you mentioned the Anunnaki, uh, who were on this planet for several hundred thousands of years. And, um... The, if we trace the bloodlines of certain dynasties, let's say, uh, well, there's this whole thing about the Rh factor. And I've had Nick Redfern on the program. He, he wrote a book called Bloodline of the Gods. And uh, he notes that it's very interesting. Uh, you would think that if, in fact, for those who believe in, in evolution that we evolved from monkeys, uh, that we should all have this Rh blood marker. Uh, but there's a certain percentage of the population which I think it's around five percent, that does not have the RH blood marker, which is a protein, uh which would then what suggests that those without the Rh factor somehow uh carry the the bloodline of the Anunnaki. Does that make sense, Ian?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um the the negative part of the rh can actually kill unborn babies which is kind of you know if you go along the evolution line it's something that's quite quite rare is uh, can't, can't think of anything that would you know dis- dis- sort of destroy uh, an unborn uh, baby so you have to then sort of think well okay where why is this you know is this an anomaly or is this something that was actually inherent due back to something some other reason so, if you look at the Anunnaki and the 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 type of person they were um you know some people say that they were red haired, some people say that they were all white with big white beards and white hair, which then you could say, okay, well, that explains why people call God um you know with a big white hair and big white beard um but are they were they albino um and then you've got to think, well, okay, if they're albino, were they?" Albino, be, you know, because their planet goes so far away from the sun, in which case they don't actually get the heat that we would get from the sun. And, and then, so you then work out why, you know, what kind of blood they would have if they were further away. Would their, would their planet be the, the, the thing that actually heats them up? Because if they go so far away, and NASA um, has admitted that certain planets can actually, just from their own core, keep, keep the planet warm. So they don't have to be that close to the sun so by adding everything together you can sort of say okay well their blood might be slightly different to ours and what what would it be different and would that have trans- transferred over to a uh, sort of a blood line uh, we can't unfortunately go back to adam and eve and find out whether they were the ones that had the first sort of negative version of the rh but yeah it does it does make you think i mean uh, Put it in the book, but as you say, there's other people have also looked into this. Um, it just doesn't make sense that you know something can kill babies. It just uh, I don't know, if you know what I mean. It's just
1: right. And and why would only a certain percentage of the population be missing the Rh factor? And um, I've heard tell that the uh, there's a one of the commonalities among people that have been abducted or claim to be have been abducted. Is again that missing Rh?
3: Yeah, um, some of the th- some of the reasons why I believe that people were abducted um, at certain times, anyway, are they come back with radiation burns, small radiation marks, and if you go along the theory that some of the um, alien races out there actually have problems with the radiation, space radiation, then it would make sense that they were trying to find a cure either for them or for us or for our hybrids between human and uh, grey aliens. So if if they've got um, reasons to want to take people with RH negative to test, then you think, well, okay, are they, do they know of the Anunnaki? Why, why weren't they doing it with the Anunnaki? Why, why don't they just ask the ananarchy to use their RH negative instead of taking us? Does that make sense?
1: It uh, Sort of. I mean, yeah, it
3: if, does in a way. If we've got their, part of their blood, why, you know, would they have used the ananarchy or the Anarchy would have said, no, go away, we, we don't want anything to do with you, in which case that would explain why they use us Right. of going to them.
1: Right. Um, we've only got about seven, eight minutes here, so you know we have to sort of j- jump ahead. And I know that it's, when people buy this book, it's important they sort of go chapter by chapter, because you have to, you sort of build one layer upon the next. Um, But I do want to jump ahead to another paranormal uh, phenomena that you say sort of ties into all of this. Again, there is sort of one unifying um, thing that connects all of these things, aliens, ghosts, even Bigfoot. But let's talk about—you touched on orbs uh, um, recently, but let's talk about ghosts and spirits and so forth. How does that connect in with what, what we're talking about here?
3: um the, the I mean it all started from the guy that I was talking to he He started talking about the orbs and then he started talking about spirits, etc and you know at that time I, I thought that was silly. but as you go along, you realize well I, I believe that the the orbs are sort of the master not the master race but the the, the main entity that's around, and they can split off into um, smaller um Entities which then um, join with humans before they 're born into the pineal gland and then they stay with the humans they learn what the humans learn and then they when they when the human dies they they leave which uh, they leave the body and then become ghosts and they can even now go back to their collective or they can stay as a ghost um, until it 's time for them to pass over so sometimes you hear mediums. Call out for someone and say, "Oh, you yeah, know, I'm looking for Fred," and they get another spirit through and they say, "No, Fred has already crossed over," which is weird because we say when when someone dies they cross over, but the spirits then say that they cross over. So once they cross over, they're back to the sort of their collective. So the orbs are, from what I gather, are the the main entity and the um, zetas not not so much as eaters but certainly the orion greys are actually working with the um the orbs i mean there's so many stories of of um the orbs being seen with the greys uh being harvested by the greys even even bodies you know people being massaged uh, the, the greys sort of come out of them so we're uh, I'm just trying to do it in this very short space of time. It's quite com- complicated. It is difficult. The, yeah. the The idea is that the we are just containers, as as many um, abductees have said that the aliens call us. So we're just a vessel. Um, and the certain types of aliens that work with the orbs want to get something from us. So before we actually um, join, before the Orb joins with us. They agree in a council, and with with the alien race that they're, they're also working with, that we're allowed to be abducted, and that this is what we, they want from us. From you know, from the person that will end up growing up, they want to learn X, Y, and Z from them. So when uh, we when I'm we concerned. have
1: spirit communication, Ian, uh, you you talked about using a spirit board or a Ouija board. When people are having a, a spirit communication. Uh, and they believe they're communicating with let's say a dead relative that is a um, one of these entities like a light being at this orb that at at one point had sort of grafted on to a human a human and so it yes. retains the memory of that person yeah. but it's not actually that person correct
3: i think it's it sort of like a symbiotic relationship they they are one of the same the thing is once the once the spirit ghost crosses back over to their own plane you know the the original plane that they come from they i think they lose they keep them the memories but i think they lose the personality so when it comes otherwise the, the whole point is that the the orbs are trying to learn to ascend themselves um and they want to learn you know good bad indifferent but if they all if they kept our human traits when they went back to their side they would they would be fighting each other, to be honest. Right, right. Um, so I don't, you know, too much of a good thing. So I think that that's I think they are sort of neutral and they want to experience everything to be able to move up. Otherwise, if they if they've all got their own personalities, these orbs, then there's no point. They'd, they'd know what it's like to be a human because they would, you know, be fighting. And does that
1: makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, just last point, because and we're almost out of time here. Uh, I, I mean, I'd love to hear how Bigfoot's uh, how Bigfoot fits into all of this.
3: Um, briefly, then, um, the way I see it is that they originally are a, an alien race. Um, a few thousand years ago, the there was a prison ship that crashed onto Earth. Those ones, the, the Bigfoots stayed here there was a landmass that could actually join back then. There was, you know, you able to across one continent to another. Right. Which is why they, they're in different places, uh, except for England, for example. Even though some people say they've seen them, there's none. Um, but the the they stayed here for, you know, and they had children, they had children, children. And, uh, you know, way back they used to kidnap people, but because we've now got guns, they're not daft. These are intelligent creatures. They know that, you know, if they start, hunting humans again like they used to. We, we've we got guns, we can kill them, and there's, there's enough of us now to find them. So the... But the Bigfoots, the actual space Bigfoots, the ones that are still on on their planet, actually have been seen so many times with, with the small Orion, the uh, Grays, that's the way I see the Grays, the um, that they are actually working with them. I mean, there's a story from England about a little boy that, um, back in, in the wartime, was saw, saw a ufo sort of decloak at the end of his street and there was a what he now calls a wookie or you know chewbacca right uh, with them standing there with them but there's so many stories that you can't sort of you have to now think that they are you know working with with other races
1: Fascinating. Listen, Ian, it's um, it's a fascinating read, and the way that you've managed to piece it all together, you're to be commended for it. Uh, everything is connected: black ops, alien spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. Uh, Ian, again, how do people get a copy of the book?
3: Amazon, uh, Amazon Kindle,
1: and leave us with a website, Ian.
3: Our www.
1: Ouruntoldhistory.com Ouruntoldhistory.com Ian, thanks for hanging out with me. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. Thank you. Alright, my website strangeplanet.ca strangeplanet.ca uh, and there uh, take some time, spend some time uh, there's lots to discover on the website you can uh, become a member go to the radio page for the conspiracy show click on that blue member button and um, it's very quick to register, it's free, and that gives you access to member-only areas. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, S-Y-Because-I-Love-You, T. and as always, follow the truth.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy
1: Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi, RV, camper, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello, Merry Christmas, and Happy Hanukkah uh, to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zuma Radio AM 740 and 96.7 FM. Uh, those of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations, including uh, our brand new one, KMAJ AM 1440 Topeka, Kansas. That's 1440 AM, The Big Talker. In Topeka, Kansas. Thank you, KMAJ, for making the Conspiracy Show part of your radio family. Hello to all of you listening in on the uh, Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps. Uh, both terrific apps, both free downloads. The podcasts, of course, available at Stitcher Radio, iTunes, uh, tunein.com, and talkzone.com. Those of us streaming us um, live on YouTube via the uh, HOA, the Hangout on Air. And by the way, if you want to uh, stream the show on YouTube, very simple. Uh just go to my twitter feed at richard serrett S-Y-R-E-T-T, at richard serrett click on the uh, the well go to the top or near the top of the feed and you'll find a tweet containing an h o a link just click on that and you're in um and who else um, the affiliates we mentioned the podcasts the uh, the apps yes we've we've covered you all off <laughs> however, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee welcome and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Michael Fitzhugh Bell is standing by to discuss his life as a targeted individual. Electronic harassment or torture uh, is a more appropriate term. We'll talk about that. Uh, Before that, just a reminder, a programming note. The Conspiracy Show will not be available here on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, next week, which is, of course, Christmas evening, the evening of Sunday, December the uh, 25th, Christmas night. Uh, But we will return the following week, and that will be the evening of New Year's Day, 2017. Next week, many of our affiliate stations will be carrying uh, this program on either Christmas Day or maybe the day after. And uh, incidentally, that show, Two Hours with Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, the author of The Harbinger and The the Mystery of the Shemitah, and his new book is The Book of Mysteries. All right. What you are about to hear... Over the next hour, my guest swears is a true story. An innocent man becomes the unwitting target of a secret criminal organization using high-tech weaponry, microchip implants, and mind control on its victims, leaving no evidence. The organization is covert, highly organized, well-funded, and uses the latest technology. This heinous, unconscionable crime has gone global, and rapidly has become a huge national problem. My guest says he was drugged, abducted, raped, and surgically implanted with illegal microchip implants, all done without his knowledge or consent. He's tracked, stalked, and tortured 24-7, and physically burned remotely with directed energy weapons which most people don't even know exist. His every thought and feeling is being read in real time by his perpetrators via GPS and current cellular satellite systems making him quite literally a human piñata he must prove his crime to the police and a judge before his attackers erase his memories and murder him murder him uh, despite the most determined efforts to destroy him he remains optimistic and focused relentless in his pursuit to find his way out of this never-ending terror and nightmare of a labyrinth which has become his life. Michael Fitzhugh Bell is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America. He's a classically trained chef who has worked in hotels in Austria and has worked in some very well-known restaurants and hotels in America. He spent several years working in the entertainment business in Hollywood as a motion picture catering chef and aspiring screenwriter. He also trains for and does high-altitude mountaineering, climbing big peaks around the world. He's written articles for Palm Springs Life magazine and won several writing contests while at prep school and college. His book, The Invisible Crime, Illegal Microchip Implants and Microwave Technology and Their Use Against Humanity, was written after seven years of exhausting research. He's considered a targeted individual. He's written for two reasons, to make the American public aware of this technology and the unconscionable crimes for which it is used and to help other targeted individuals gain control of their lives and cope with this nightmare from which they never seem to wake. Michael Fitzhugh Bell, welcome back to The uh, the, uh, Conspiracy Show. How are you?
2: I'm very good, Richard. It's so nice to be back. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. It's been a, a, a while. We'll get a, sort of an update on your situation. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the last time we had you on the show. It's been maybe three, three four years, I'm guessing. Uh, no, but,
2: actually last, last August.
1: Was it last August?
2: Yeah, oh. 2015.
1: Okay, so this is your third time back, as I think I had you on once yeah, before. Yeah, that's correct. All right. So um, first, for those who missed those first two shows, just give us kind of a thumbnail sketch of what happened to you at, uh, give us kind of a chronology. Here you were working, I guess, in the entertainment industry as a as a culinary um, as a chef and uh, and then things went horribly wrong. Tell us about about that in just That's kind of correct. a brief synopsis. I,
2: yeah, I was a uh, an aspiring screenwriter in Hollywood, and I was just beginning to i've been a writer all my life, but at this point I was uh, ready to become a screenwriter. And I was just at the point where I was getting big meetings with top literary agencies around Hollywood, and some of the big studios were beginning to show interest in some of my work when I became a targeted individual. And um, really, it happened over time, but the, it all seemed to manifest into one night I went to sleep And while I was sleeping, I was drugged and abducted from my apartment in Hollywood. And I remember the perpetrators wearing frightening masks at one point. I remember that clearly. And I also remember lying on an operating table somewhere with surgeons standing over me with surgical masks. And then I was returned to my apartment, to my bed, and I woke up thinking it was the next morning, but it was really an entire week later and um, my body was riddled with these tiny uh, cosmetic surgery incision scars and I couldn't figure out what had happened to me and so I consulted with several private investigators that were somewhat familiar with what had happened to me and they informed me that I was most likely what is termed as a targeted individual, and um, I most possibly could have been implanted with advanced nanotechnology biomedical devices. So I had these scars, and I didn't have any proof, though. So I traveled, I literally traveled around the world collecting evidence MRIs, ultrasounds, x rays, and verified, documented doctor's reports, which I include, all of, the, all of which in the images, too, in the book, which show clearly these foreign objects that stand out in these images, in the MRIs, and the ultrasound images, and they're circled in the book. Um, they're easy to see. It doesn't take a radiologist to see these things, and they're, they're throughout my entire body. They're symmetrical and corresponding. And um, from what I understand, uh, I was also lucky enough to meet an ex-CIA agent who told me that everything in my book and all that it exposes, he confirmed that everything in the book is true. But what he did tell me, which shocked me even more, because I thought my book exposed a lot, he said that my book only barely scratched the surface, was barely the tip of the iceberg of what's really going on, and my research has shown me that I'm most likely part of what's deemed to be a massive field test or an illegal clinical trial of human experimentation uh, with classified technologies and it's what's termed as an unacknowledged special access program. And it's beyond top secret.
1: What, you're, is, uh, what you described, uh, being abducted, waking up on an operating table, um, implants, it almost sounds like the modern alien abduction uh, phenomenon. I'm wondering whether what your views on uh, about the abduction phenomenon and whether people who who believe they've been abducted, whether that might be some sort of a, um, a, a, a psyop or some sort of memory implant to cover for what happened to you.
2: That's quite possible, Richard. Um, I've heard that theory. I know for a fact what the people that took me were people. They weren't aliens, but I... I They were at one point wearing masks to conceal their identity, because I do remember bits and pieces of the abduction. But I believe that your, what you said, um, is quite possibly the truth. That um, perhaps these um, abductions that people claim to be aliens are really government related, or black ops, or part of the military. Human experimentation programs, and the, they're using the alien uh, story as a disguise. That's quite possible, and it seems to make sense too. So uh, that's an easy way. To, that would be an easy way to write it off.
1: So, while you were missing for a week, uh, were you essentially left unconscious in your bed, or were you were you being held for a week? What, and, yes, and if I, so, what were they doing to you during that week?
2: I was—I uh, remember bits and pieces, um, Richard. It was—I uh, I was moved around. Uh, This—it was a—a a week. I remember being in many different rooms of a, a large mansion, and a couple of times that I, I describe in the book, I did get a chance to. I was being drugged. What was happening is I was being continuously drugged, and as one drug session ran out, between druggings is what I remember. So when I was under the full influence of whatever they gave me, which I believe was a drug called scopolamine, also known as devil's breath, um, that drug... gives the victim nearly complete amnesia, but I do remember bits and pieces, and I remember looking out the window of one of the rooms that I was in, and it seemed to me, I recognized the hills in the background. They were definitely the Hollywood Hills or the Bel Air area of Los Angeles. I recognized those hills because I'd seen them, having lived in Los Angeles and traveled all over Beverly Hills and Bel, Bel Air and Hollywood, I was quite familiar with some of these distinct hills. So I remember bits and pieces, and I was moved around a lot, and I remember at one point, I believe some kind of mind control testing was being done on me. I was kind of kind of similar to uh, if you ever saw the movie, a Clockwork Orange. Where the um, main character is forced to watch terrible images I can hear the music coming right
1: yes, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna take a time out. but uh, oh. yeah, it sounds like what you're discussing yeah. is an attempt yeah. to induce a massive trauma, uh, which you're right is is right out of the MK ultra textbook and this is the Nazis experimented with inducing. Um, well, they fracture the psyche so they can compartmentalize the human mind and turn people into spies. I mean, they, could, they can hide information on someone, send them across the country, they become a mule, essentially, and the person, their handler, waiting for them on the other side, using a particular code word, can access that one compartmentalized piece of the brain and, and get access to that, that information. I uh, will come back and discuss uh, further with Michael Fitzhugh Bell, Electronic harassment, or torture, that is, when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this.
0: You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free at
1: 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Uh, Michael Fitzhugh Bell is with us, and the book is The Invisible Crime, Illegal Microchip Implants and Microwave Technology and Their Use Against Humanity. Um, Now, these implants, uh, or what you believe are implants after your abduction, are these being used uh, to track you? Does this have anything to do with the cellular satellite technology?
2: Richard, we believe that what's happened to me is that I have been implanted with advanced nanotechnology biomedical devices, one of which I had removed. We'll talk about that in a second, hopefully, um, and what happened with that. But with the these are classified Technologies which which uh, are being used to experiment on human beings. This is what's widely believed, and um, it's these technologies that are allowing the perpetrators, the criminals. That's what they are really, uh, to track, to um, uh, actually access a person remotely through a process called remote neural monitoring, and they're actually able to um, interact with uh, my body in in terms of making the temperature of my body rise or fall or the speed of my heart to increase or slow down um, and to actually read my thoughts in real time. This is, this is what is widely believed, and um, I'm, I'm at a, uh, certainly at a higher level than most targets, I think, because I've talked to quite a few since I wrote my book. I've had a lot of people reach out to me, and I respond to all of my emails uh, through my website. And I do have a, a few people that have experienced pretty much exactly what's happened to me Slightly different story, but covered with um, the covert surgery scars. They have MRIs showing the exact same uh, type of foreign object underneath their skin, very uh, identical to to the ones that I have in the images that that you um, have it, uh, up on the on the big board. Right, and um,
1: so this nanotechnology sorry. biomedical device, you had one removed. Tell us about that.
2: Yes. Uh, I had to go to well. I have these these scars all over my body, but there are a couple of places where I can actually feel the object directly beneath the skin, and so I wanted to find one that was the easiest to access, and it was actually in my jaw, in my lower jaw, and. I could feel it right underneath the skin. It felt like a little BB and it would move, you know, I could put my finger on it and, and move it back and forth underneath the skin. I could feel it clearly there. And then when I looked in a uh, 10X mirror uh, in, uh, with bright sunlight, uh, I was able to see a scar in my gum line. So I went to about 10 different ear, nose and throat doctors to have this thing extracted. And most of them, I would get there, and I was just a normal patient. And then I explained to them what happened, and I what I I didn't say what it was. I said I have this thing in there that that hurts. I have this object beneath the skin. I don't know what it is, but it's hurting me. And I'd like to have it removed. And then they'd examine me, and then they would go into the other room and talk with a couple of their other doctors that are there. were in the same office. And they would come back always with the same story. Yeah, we're not going to be able to help you with that, um, but you might be able to try somebody else. Maybe somebody else can help you. I don't think we can. They, were, they all were frightened of me, uh, quite honestly, Richard. So they, they wouldn't they,
1: share I, the images I, and they wouldn't, obviously, they wouldn't give the. Did they try to remove it?
2: No, I, I finally got one, one doctor that would remove it. In the pre-visit, uh, he was very friendly, and uh, um, he agreed to to try to extract it. And then when I came back a week later for the extraction, he was all business. He was a very different person. Uh, I I got the impression that someone had spoken to him, probably someone from uh, from the criminal group that some some represented, from the from the government or the the military black ops. Somebody got to this guy because something that is removed from your body is your own it's it's you, the chain of custody goes to the person it's being removed from uh, whatever it is
1: so they wouldn't give it to, back in other words he wouldn't give it back he wouldn't he, surrender it to you
2: he would not he would he refused to, to let me keep it and he did let me take several photographs of it and I did the best I could um And you can clearly see that the the front part of it is nothing that that is natural. Uh, It's like an elongated kind of almost looks like a little piece of plastic. that's very smooth and uh, Mm. kind of roundish.
1: Let me just uh, remind listeners, Michael Fitzhugh-Bell is with us, the author of The Invisible Crime, Illegal Microchip Implants and Microwave Technology and Their Use Against Humanity. And just another uh, programming note, um, just when we came back off the uh, the last uh, break, Uh, We've been knocked off the air here on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio. If you're listening to the app, you can still hear us, presumably. I'm not sure. Uh, Apparently, the YouTube, the Hangout on Air, is still up and running. Uh, But uh, we have been knocked off the air on Zoomer Radio, and I don't know if that has anything to do with what we're talking about or not. Uh, Strange coincidence. Sometimes it does, Richard. Mm -hmm. Somebody doesn't want us uh, uh, speaking about this, Michael. Um, So as we um, we've got a, about five minutes here before we head into the next break what what's the latest uh, in the year or so since we've talked the last what new information do you
2: have about uh, my situation um, well i've I've had to move just just to let you know where I am right now i've had to move I moved fourteen times in nine years trying to Escape this crime, which follows me wherever I go. So I realize now that I running or going anywhere in the world, uh, it's it's useless for me to to try to escape. Um, so right now I'm in deep in the mountains of North Carolina, uh, where I was in California, which is probably the worst place in the world to live with this. Uh, situation you can see on the on the big screen some of the burn marks that i've uh, some of the third degree burns that I've suffered over the last couple of years um, uh, now where I am now I don't really have any neighbors it's a very remote location although the neighbors that I do have when I first moved here i I was pretty anonymous but after a while um, I could tell that the criminal group had reached out to my neighbors and uh now I I um get what's referred to as organized stalking and uh that's part of this being a targeted individual there's right. organized stalking and right. it's 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 um, where
1: they will follow you, that, taunt you, drive by your, your house at all hours, honking their horns, anything to drive you correct. over the edge. And that's
2: how? Absolutely, that's absolutely correct, Richard.
1: And the way they recruit these people is somehow, and these these people are not necessarily you know connected with the government, but they get approached, and somehow they are convinced that you're the bad guy, uh, right. and that you need to be driven out of there. So they they demonize you, and somehow, in some way.
2: That's correct. Uh, they, um, what happens to me is, is uh, I, I, re- I receive uh, intimidation. Uh, it's called community intimidation, and um, the, uh, what happens is that a vicious lie or slanderous rumor, it's a lie, uh, is spread about the target, me, uh, wherever I go in the community. And it's usually something along the lines of being a pedophile or a child molester, something that people will instantly bring hatred to them and disdain. So that's what I believe. Something something along those lines or that kind of a lie is being spread about me to motivate these strangers. When I go into stores and stuff now, the merchants shun me and will perform acts of harassment against me, trying to antagonize me and tor- torment me and taunt me. And uh, I expect that now. But what they're looking for is a reaction from me. They're looking, they're, they're seeing how, how much I can take, uh, I believe. Uh, and they want you, they're, they're pushing you, they want a reaction, they want to provoke uh, some kind of uh, an incident with you. Um, whether it's driving your car or whether you're in the store standing next to one of these people, they're really, and from what I understand, these people are, they get strong financial reimbursement for their harassment, which they're paid for after. So that's the motivation for them. They must complete that in order for them to get whatever reward, whether it's, Drugs or money, whatever, whatever it is that they that they're 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 being right. promised.
1: Okay, so so you're That's living motivating. you're living in, in the mountains in, in um, did you say North Carolina? That's correct. Um, are you employing any sort of shielding uh, device or any shielding uh, methods uh, to protect you, for example, from from EMF or or any of these directed energy weapons?
2: Yes, I, uh, I, I actually, um, it's one of the chapters I wrote in my book, um, uh, Countermeasures. Uh, I use, I've gone through many different countermeasures that were, that were effective for a short period of time, but then after a while, they became ineffective. So now I use primarily uh, neodymium rare earth magnets, which are uh, incredibly strong pure magnets that have a very strong magnetic field, a magnetic field that's so strong that it's able to disrupt the frequencies that are um, coming and going from various parts of my body constantly. Uh, and um, what's what's believed to be a bi directional um, human mind to machine technology. So uh I use the neodymium magnets to, especially when I'm receiving pain, torture. Really, it's remote torture, um, and it's severe pain, uh, and it's constantly um, 24/7. And especially when you're trying to sleep. That image right up there right now is the first one that I obtained when I went to Spain. That's a, uh, my first. That was in my navel, um, and that that one right there that you have up there now. Is the first image that I actually got the first day I went to Spain and got that from uh, a small clinic in Spain and just told the doctor what I wanted and I got the, the, the verified, documented reports right, right there. You can't do that in this country. They won't let you do it. Sorry, I, I strayed from the, that, the countermeasures. That, that's all right. I, well, I couldn't, re- I couldn't resist when that when that image was up okay. there. I had to it was i had to jump in there for a second but not to worry listen michael um, i
1: got to take a time out here okay so we'll um i think i'm hearing uh, ian i don't know if you can hear me oh, oh, am i hearing them the the, mu- the extra music we're having some uh some technical issues here because we've been knocked off the air in our flagship station, but the show is still going out on YouTube. Me. I
2: must have something to do with that. It is possible, Richard. <laughs> oh,
1: and our FM channel is down, too. That's all right. They can't stop it from going out on the podcast and YouTube. <laughs> uh, Ian, are we taking a break here? There's the music. All right. Michael, sit tight. We'll come back and uh, discuss further. The Invisible Crime, okay. Illegal Microchip Implants and Microwave Technology and Their Use Against Humanity. Are we next? We'll find out. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us.
0: Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. On Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarant on Zoomer Radio.
1: All right. Well, kudos to our engineers out at the transmitter site. We are back on the air, at least uh, here on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM. And uh, that's good news for those listening to this program in the uh, greater Toronto area. Uh, Michael Fitzhugh Bell stays with us, the author of The Invisible Crime, Illegal Microchip Implants and Microwave Technology and Their Use Against Humanity. He is living a nightmare. How, when did this first begin, uh, Michael? How long has it been now?
2: Well, when I, when I look back, I, when it first started happening, I didn't realize what was happening. It's only when I look back in retrospect that I realize exactly when it started happening. It was probably around 2002, 2003.
1: My Lord, so over a so, dozen years.
2: Well, it was It was probably starting around then, and it started with the organized stalking. and that was some really odd things. I would uh, It would happen once in a while. I would come back I would go out from my apartment at every turn and all the doors, the door, the front door would be open, all the windows would be open, the lights would be on during the day, and the water would be running in my sink. And this happened a couple of times, and I, at first I thought it was some kind of a prank, uh, and uh, you know I was I was ready for, you know, a reality show, a camera team to 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 jump out of behind a, a wall or something and surprise me. I, um,
1: Is there any I, V2K involved, voice to skull?
2: I don't get the the the, the voice to skull, uh, Richard. I I get something called silent subliminal sound presentation. I don't hear the voices, but I do hear a loud, electronic-type sound 24-7.
1: So there's no, there's no, there's no uh, subliminal uh, voice in your ear telling you to do things or to hurt yourself? No. or
2: Not that I'm aware of, no. I, I, I know most of the other targets that I know get that form of... of, of uh, they receive that kind of acoustic weaponry against them uh, in the form of voices. Um, but that that doesn't happen to me.
1: Um, you mentioned the third-degree burns. Do they then, they, whoever they are, do they have the capability now then to make someone spontaneously combust? If they can give you third-degree burns from a remote location, could they set you a fire if they wanted?
2: Uh, I really don't know about that, to be honest with you. I, I would say it's probably possible, but they've, it seems like to me, in what's happened to me and, and all that, I, everywhere I travel, I'm under constant watch, constant surveillance, I, don't, I, I think at this point somehow I'm valuable to the, the system. Whatever information they're, they're, they're gleaning um, from me through this human experimentation program, I must be of some value to them. Because, uh, but to answer your question, that's probably possible.
1: Are you, how do you survive? I mean, are you, how are you able to work?
2: I, well i'm a writer so uh, i was a writer before this happened to me so that's, i think one of the reasons why i was selected because i'm i don't have a, a regular nine-to-five job that i where people are going to be seeing me every day um, i would spend long periods of time in my apartment in hollywood writing and um, I, i'm not married i don't have any children i don't have any pets and my family lives lived when I lived in California. They lived in another part of, of the country. So I was complete. I was pretty much isolated and on my own. And when I was taken for a week, the first time it happened many times to me. Um, the first time that it happened, no one even noticed that I was even gone. Except my family had left some messages for me and wondering why I hadn't returned their calls. All right, I've
1: got to jump in, Michael. We're going to take another time out, come back and continue on with the invisible crime, illegal microchip implants and microwave technology and their use against humanity. Michael Fitzhugh Bell right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.
0: Shaking the world and seeing what falls... This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarratt from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free, but first it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard
1: Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Michael Fitzhugh-Bell stays with us, graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, a classically trained chef who's worked in hotels in Austria, worked in some very well-known restaurants and hotels in America, spent several years working in the entertainment business in Hollywood as a motion picture catering chef and an aspiring screenwriter. Uh, and he has been uh, targeted for the last dozen or so years, implanted uh, with nanotechnology biomedical uh, devices, his every moment, his every movement tracked, uh, his thoughts read in real time, uh, the victim of uh, some sort of directed energy weapon. They can induce pain remotely, third degree burns. Some of these, uh, for those of you following us or streaming us live on YouTube, can see these images from the, the book, The Invisible Crime Illegal Microchip Implants, Microwave Technology, and Their Use Against Humanity. Um, so I guess my, my question, the big question is, uh, how soon are they going to start ramping this field experiment up on the rest of the general population?
2: That's, that's, the, that's the question. Um, well, uh, to answer that question, you, you'll be surprised. The, uh, you may have heard this already. I don't know. It's estimated that right now 50% of Americans are already implanted with RFID technology without their permission, without their knowledge, without their consent.
1: 50%? Already that happened. high? Hmm.
2: Already happened.
1: I was not aware of that particular figure. Um, I'm trying to remember my last conversation with Dr. John Hall. I'm sure you know Dr. Dr. Hall.
2: Yes, I do know him, actually.
1: Yeah, uh, he, we, he and I have worked together. And of his book, um, the new, the new breed satellite terrorism in America. Um, that's right. Fifty percent. My gosh. So
2: that's what's estimated. Yeah.
1: But obviously, fifty percent of the population isn't at the point where they are. Uh, aware that they are being targeted, they're not necessarily displaying the symptoms of a targeted individual. Does that mean that this technology is in there? It's lying dormant until such time as the uh, the perps decide yeah. to to utilize it or to put it into action.
2: I believe that's that that's 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 a theory that I believe, um, and certainly to some extent, it may be just the bare minimum uh, of. Uh, what i what what's happened to me um I have the full I have the full fully implanted from head to toe uh, I believe what's happened to the general population the estimated 50 percent um, only has a, a small tag that that is to say that they don't have the full setup that I that that's that's been done to me um and you asked also about what it's like, how do I survive, um, it's, it's, uh, I can only say that it's like a, being a prisoner in a virtual electronic concentration camp, to be quite honest with you. I don't know what that is, but that's what I would say. The only thing I could possibly compare um, being a victim of this crime would be compared to. I would say that would be a a very accurate portrayal of what it's like when you are targeted. Um, You really do feel like a prisoner and um, the life you had before no longer exists and it's really just where you used to live your life and look forward to things down the road and make plans your life really becomes day-to-day and week-to-week uh, and just figuring out how to survive and how to um... what's your next step going to be um, and um, i guess it tests me to the to the point where i have now have to do three things every single day to maintain um... to 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 be focused and to uh, remain positive I have to every day remind myself that other people have suffered much worse or the same or much worse and may be suffering much worse. Right now, somewhere, someone always has it much worse than you do. So I I remind myself of that. And you look at the Holocaust survivors and prisoners of war and the terrible things that are done to these people and what they endure and what they survive, and that has to be perhaps on the same level or worse than what's happening to me and to other targeted individuals. So I remind myself of that. And I also have to exercise every single day, no matter what, at least 20 minutes or a half an hour of exercise at least every day to survive. And also I have to remind myself every day, I have to find at least a moment where I can laugh. I have to do that every single day because that's something that can't leave my life. I need to always be positive and find something, um, no matter how bad it gets, to humor myself and to take a step back and still remember that I'm alive and still trying, this is the only life that I'll ever know, so I'm still trying to enjoy that the best that I can, although this this crime really hampers your ability to live the life you did before.
1: Are they trying to drive you to the point where you will take your own life?
2: Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I don't That's a thought I don't entertain at all, but um, other targeted individuals, especially new ones, are often pushed that far. In fact, just w- within the last year, a new target contacted me, having read my book, and I usually don't make phone calls, but this person really sounded pretty desperate, and I did. and I tried to um, uh, calm him down and try to you know, try to offer some kind of um, comfort to him because he was really at, at a, in a terrible spot i I had been in that spot before when I was newly targeted, and um, he took his own life uh, oh, about three or three or four months after I spoke to him um, and uh, it was it was it was sad and frightening that and I still have his emails that he sent me. Um, I never knew him, but I spoke to him several times for several hours on the phone, and I still have his emails and it's it's sad.
1: I um, It's kind of quieted down now, uh, but there are months that'll go by where I am receiving several emails every week uh, from different people. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but for one person, one talk show host, uh, to receive several emails on this one topic, people who are claiming to be victims, um, such as yourself, uh, that's a lot. And... Um, you know, I, I direct them to Dr. Hall or I'll direct them to, there's a fabulous um, uh, support uh, up here in Canada, um, Eleanor White, uh, right. who, who runs the website. You know, you must know Eleanor.
2: She's terrific. Yeah, she's terrific. Uh,
1: that's about, you know, all I can do because I'm certainly not um, an expert in this field. So I simply try to put them onto the, the proper channels. And it sounds like you've become also a hub, sort of a support uh, for, for these people as well
2: yeah it's it, um uh, I've, i'm I've been fortunate in that um, uh, having written the book has put me in touch with a lot of people and it it's actually helped a lot of people, and people have um thanked me for it, which really made me that's the only reason I really wrote it was to help people and to raise the uh, the awareness of people that are unfamiliar with this crime and um... So it's really nice to 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 get feedback from people and the book really can be used as a tool or an icebreaker for, for in, in terms of people trying to explain what's happened to them to family or friends or loved ones because trying to do it without the right words or without proof or evidence which i include in my book for my case um, and other people have nearly identical experiences, or, or similar enough where the book comes in handy in explaining what's happened to them. And here it is in the book: happened exact exact same thing happened to me. So the the book has is, is really um, been helpful in terms of of for a couple of different reasons for for raising the awareness and for uh, actually being a handbook for for new targets that. Are unfamiliar with countermeasure techniques and um, what's happening and how it's being done. To to some degree, um, it's 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 pretty well outlined in my book. Could that, you build a? Describe,
1: could you build a uh, Faraday cage? Do you have the, the know with the know the know how or the wherewithal to build a Faraday cage? And would that help?
2: I did have um, uh, the first um, private investigator that I. Um, consulted with, um, built me one that worked for a small amount of time, uh, for a couple of months it worked, but I've never um, been in a Faraday cage, a real one, a real, you know, one where there's a building dedicated to it. They do have those, um, and I've never been in one to, to, so to speak, see the signals just cut off, because I imagine that could happen, uh, and it would be... Kind of the opposite of what's happened to me now. When it, when I was first, what I call activated in the book, when I first realized that that there was definitely some kind of technology, some kind of electronic technology in my system, uh, the day that that I was activated, I remember that, and I, w- I imagine if it was taken away, it would be like cutting off the light you know, turning off something, it would be that. It, you would right. notice the difference, the, the, the noise that I hear, the loud electronic hum that I hear. Michael, regrettably,
1: regrettably, Michael, I have to turn out the lights. We are done. Um, oh,
2: gosh, that was the fastest hour ever.
1: <laughs> they always are, my friend. In the meantime, we'll, also... we'll direct people to the website, invisiblecrime.com. Invisiblecrime.com. Did you have a parting word, 15 seconds, Michael?
2: Yes, uh, I just wanted to say uh, I think I'm, I'm your last uh, guest for 2016, so it's a great honor. You are. Um, And also, um, my, my book is uh, available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and at my website, www.invisiblecrime.com.
1: Michael, thank you so much. Stay in touch. Be well, my friend.
2: Thank you so much, Richard.
1: Michael Bell invisiblecrime.com. My thanks uh, to Ian and Elbert and all of you listening at home. Hope you'll be around, uh, well, you won't listen to us next week on Zuma Radio, but our affiliates, check them out, the podcast, of course. In the meantime, don't be afraid, there's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops, move over Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night.